0: Well, I don't know about you, but I absolutely love this time of year. It's one of my favorite times of year. And there's, there's something about this time of year, which is it's all about light, isn't it? Has anyone, has anyone driven up through Hastings Ranch yet this Christmas? What have you been doing? Where have you been? Drive through Hastings Ranch, especially take your car radio because you can tune in and have tunes outside some guy's house who has his own radio station with his Christmas lights. anyone driven up Christmas tree lane yet this Christmas? Absolutely. Anybody stopped at the house at the top of Christmas tree lane that might be selling hot dogs, which might be some house that we know about? If not, do it. It's not too late. Okay, Christmas is all about light. And so I thought maybe we could have a little bit of a, a, a trivia quiz to see how much you know. So if you know the answer to this, you can raise your hand and then we'll see if we can get these right. Okay, so question one. Ready. Uh, which famous Christ, Christian Sparked the tradition of holiday tree lights. Anybody know? Any offers? Yes, over there. Martin Luther. Um, apparently, famous reformer, he was wandering through the forest one day when he saw the shining stars through the trees. And he was so overjoyed by that that he went home, cut down a tree, and stuck candles on it, which sounds like a fire risk. Uh, but apparently, that's how the whole thing started. Uh, okay, question number two. Who invented the Christmas string of lights in 1880? A little nearer to home now. Any offers? Yes. Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison. Come on, we should have all known that, really, shouldn't we? Okay. All right, number three. In the Guinness World Rec- Book of World Records, A family from New York state holds the record for the most lights on a residential property. They spent two months decorating their two-acre plot of land. Okay, multiple choice. How many lights? A, 20,000. B, 100,000. C, 500,000. Or D, 600,000 lights. What do you reckon? Any offers? C, What do you reckon? B, B, any advances on C and B? D, it is D, 600,000 lights. Anyone got 600,000 lights on their homes yet? No, otherwise we'd all be in a power outage right now. Okay, good, okay, final question. How many people are hospitalized annually for injuries involving decorating their homes with lights? And if you need prayer ministry afterwards, if this is you, we can offer that too. Okay, A, one thousand, <laughs> B, three thousand, C, six thousand, or D, ten thousand people every year in the United States. What do you reckon? Three thousand. Any other guesses? Ten thousand. C, six thousand. The answer is C, six thousand people and I pray it isn't you. Christmas uh, is all about lights. There's something about it, isn't there? Something beautiful. In fact, if you go back through the history books to find out why the early Christians decided to celebrate Christmas on December the 25th, they actually chose it because it is the shortest and darkest day of the year. And what better day to celebrate light coming into a dark world? When John, one of the disciples, writes, us, writes the account of Jesus' life, this is how he writes it in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word came flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. If you were to read through the book of John, you would actually find 22 different references about Jesus and being light. In fact, in John chapter eight, John quotes Jesus when Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. And what John's doing in so many ways is he's echoing the very first pages of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 1, the whole Bible starts with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Then God said, let there be light. Can you picture it? This sort of dark, formless, shapeless existence, not just about physical light, but actually probably more about lifelessness. And God said, let there be light, let there be life. And this radiant, beautiful, glorious, loving light sprung into existence. But sadly, actually, if you read through the next pages of scripture, you, you read not just about the beauty and the truth and the love and the hope and all that God had created, but also of something that dimmed the brightness, of a darkness that encroached back into the world. The light dimmed by the entrance of evil, of brokenness, of sin. Actually, in some ways of that decision that we all make occasionally, which is say, God, I don't actually need you. I'm quite bright enough on my own. I can do this on my own. You can stay where you are. And sadly, if you were to read those pages of the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, actually what you read of is a collapse back into darkness. You read of grand things like murder and slavery and all those kind of things. But you also just read of the human decision to reject God. But you see, within the darkness, within the stillness, within the quiet, there was a prayer A longing, a hoping, it was like this, God, would you bring your light to bear again? In fact, the prophets even prophesied, as we have heard this Christmas already, Isaiah 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You see, we are here to celebrate Christmas, but in celebrating Christmas, we are celebrating Jesus who comes to bring light into the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. You see, Christmas is a story of light into a broken and a dark world. And at Christmas, we celebrate light in every possible way. We light candles. We have trees. We do everything we can because I guess deep down, we sort of know that the world can feel a bit dark sometimes, even at Christmas, when so many people are off celebrating and do their thing. I wonder if there's even one of us in this room who honestly, deep down, feels the loneliness or the grief. Or just the brokenness of a family situation or pain or illness. Financial worries. Just by turning on the news, the weight of evil and injustice in the world, the uncertainty as we look at the year ahead. And we almost feel a guilt, don't we? It's like everybody else seems to be having an incredible time, but not me. I can't feel it. I just don't know what to do with it. Well, here's the wonderful, incredible message of Christmas. Jesus The light of the world shines in our darkness, and the darkness ultimately cannot overcome it. And you see, like John says, it's not even a light. He says it's true light. Because I think deep down, we all look for light because darkness can be very scary. Anyone find the darkness just very slightly scary? Yes. Thank you for being honest. When I was little, like I did not like the dark at any moment, at any time. I needed a light to help me wherever I could get one. And we do the same, don't we, with our lives. We're always looking for light. And throughout human history, people have gone for different types of light. I think for many people, they've gone for the light of progress. The enlightenment of the 18th century was all about, could we get enough science and education and technology to finally get out of the darkness of the world? And it worked to a point, but then the world wars happened and reminded us that darkness still remained. And then we have like the light of strategy and success and hard work. If only I get enough education, if only I get a good enough plan, then everything will work out fine and I will be okay The problem, of course, comes is that sooner or later we have to remember that we don't have complete control over our circumstances. As the famous heavyweight boxing champion of the world, Mike Tyson, says, everyone has a great plan until they get punched in the face. (laughs) I don't know what your year has been like, maybe for just even a few of us, like some of us, our life this year sounded like a great plan and we had it all together until something came along and just punched us. In the face. So instead, what do we do? Well, we, maybe we go for what the commercials tell us go for leisure and pleasure and treasure. Like, if we just get enough of the good stuff, then the darkness will disappear. Maybe if we go on the absolute most extravagant Good Friday fueled shopping spree we can imagine, then the darkness will go. Except you wake up the next morning and you just have a credit card bill. Or maybe we think if we go on the best vacation this year, then it will finally go, or we get the house or the car or the relationship or whatever we need, then the darkness will leave us alone. Except it's always lurking the next day, isn't it? So maybe we go for the light of numbing and soothing. We just try everything to pretend that the darkness is over there and we can leave it alone. We distract ourselves with maybe Netflix and Reels on the good side or a whole bunch of other stuff which we can't talk about in church on the bad side. But the darkness doesn't leave us. We need something greater. And what John tells us is that it is only Jesus, only Jesus who is the light of life. He is our guide in difficult circumstances. He is our secure rock in uncertainty. He's our comfort in times of grief. He's our provider in times of need. He is the eternity we need in the face of death. Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, I was talking to a friend recently, and he said that um, by his early 20s, he'd grown up in church, and uh, his parents had been like leaders in their local church. And he got very successful. He was like living in a massive city, and he was earning loads of money. But he was really disillusioned with the idea of church and faith, Christianity. So he went on this kind of ex- ex- whole exploration. He said, for two years, I'm going to live without Jesus. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to see how it works out. And he said after two years, the thing he noticed was it wasn't that his life had fallen apart. You know, he, he still had friends and family and a great job. But he said it was just as if everything was a bit dimmer. He said it was like walking into a room with your sunglasses on, but not in a cool 1980s way, just in a, it's dim and dark. He said after a while, he eventually found himself going along to an alpha course, which is we run here at Vintage, which is for, to explore the big questions of life and faith. And he said gradually over time, he wrestled with those big questions and he found his way back to giving his life again to Jesus. And he said, the best thing I can possibly explain about it is it was as if... The light in his life came back on. The light came into his darkness. You know, when I uh, first moved to L.A. five years ago with my family, I actually came not being able to see very much. Um, if you know me, you'll know that I actually have really bad eyesight. I mean, I can't see you at all tonight with the bright lights. But actually, even like, if I didn't have great contact lenses, I couldn't see much. And when I first came to LA, I had the most uncomfortable pair of bad contacts, which was all I could get where I came from. And so people would say to me, hey Ben, welcome to LA. Can you see that incredible mountain? Isn't it amazing? And I'd be like, oh, no. And then they'd be like, oh man. Well, hey, can, can you see the incredible sunset over the ocean? And I'd be like, oh, no. And I think people thought I was really rude Just like really ungrateful For the beauty of Southern California But in reality it was just really painful and blurry And I couldn't see much, especially when it was bright But after a while I found a wonderful eye doctor Who I can refer you to And and she got me the most amazing Contact lenses and the first day I put them in I suddenly looked around LA And I could see Like everything had been there before I just couldn't fully see the beauty Of it and I went, oh That's the thing you've been talking about all this time. You see, that is what Christmas is like. I think if John had written today, he'd have said, Jesus, the great set of contact lenses has come into the world. Jesus, the glasses, whatever you need, he has come. But you know, I think we have to make a response to Jesus. It's not just a generic truth at Christmas, which we sing about. It actually means something, doesn't it? We have to choose what to do. And in Jesus's time, John says, just like in ours, people respond to Jesus in three ways. See, the first way is that people in Jesus's time just rejected him. They were like, no, we don't want you. We're fine without you. Can you just leave us alone, please? And I think I have so much empathy for people who even think that way today. Because, of course, the problem is, is that if we dare admit that Jesus is the light of the world then we have to admit that we're living in darkness. We have to admit that we can't save ourselves, that it's too much for us to do, and we need him. And actually, that's a huge blow to ego. It's a huge blow to pride. It's a huge blow to autonomy when we realize we need him. To live without him is to stumble around not seeing very much. So people rejected Jesus. The second group of people, though, the very most religious people in John's time, they didn't reject Jesus, they just couldn't see him. And again, I have so much empathy for people who feel this way today. Like, really? Aren't we talking about a baby who was born out the back of a motel in a war-torn land, who went on to become a carpenter? Isn't that who we're talking about? Surely we're not talking about a Jesus God, the very one who flung the stars into space, it doesn't make any sense. Surely it wouldn't be like that. Except, of course, it is like that, and it does make a lot of sense. You see, I don't know if you've been maybe up the mountain this year or you've been out looking over the sunset with good contact lenses, and you've gone, there's something spiritual about this. Maybe you ate a great meal, you saw a beautiful piece of art, and something in your spirit went, this is like transcendent. Maybe this is God. And in part, actually, the Bible tells you that probably was in part something of God's character. But God, in fact, wanted you to know more than just that little bit about who He is. He wanted you to know the fullness, which is why He sent His Son. There's no better way, it turns out, to get to know someone than to live with them. I don't know if you've noticed that. When you live with someone and you see them at seven o'clock in the morning when they're just waking up and they're like, haven't had a shower or had their breakfast, you know, you get a good picture of what they're like. And God actually wanted us to have a great picture of what's he like, which is why he came to live with us. But you might go, well, but why Jesus like that? I mean, I think if I'd have been writing the story, I think I'd have written the story with like a Thor figure. Something like this on the screen. Wouldn't wouldn't you? You know, Jesus, Thor. Or or maybe I'd have gone for like a great booming voice in the sky, like in the Simpsons. Or, Or maybe I'd have gone for like a trial prodigy or I'd have gone for a king. Not a carpenter. But of course, if you'd have taken Thor or the others, that would have told you something very specific about what God is like. And actually what God wanted us to know is exactly what he really is like. That's why he came as someone who was humble and kind and loving. It's in Jesus, you see, that we discover a God who is relational and gracious, who's comforting and sacrificial and humble, who wouldn't just ignore evil and leave it alone and sweep it under the rug, but would rather step into the mess and forgive us by taking the evil of the world onto himself on the cross. You see, Jesus went through what I went through and what you went through. Jesus knows what it is to be fully human. He's empathetic in our sufferings. Jesus is exactly the kind of God who we need and want. That's why John says this third group of people, they didn't reject Jesus. They recognized him. And so then they received him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I feel like that's the invitation of Christmas, isn't it? That's the invitation that every single one of us has, that God knocks at the door of our life and says, can I come? Can I come in? Can I come and shine light into your darkness? Can I I shine my light into your life? Can I bring my love and my forgiveness to bear? But here's the thing about, about God is that he's kind and gentle, And he doesn't like bash down the door and grab us by the headlock and says, can you see me? I'm right here. He doesn't force us into anything. He just stands gently and says, will you open the door to me? And so I wonder this Christmas, whether we might too take that invitation to heart, the invitation of Jesus that says, can I come in to your life? Can I bring my light into your darkness? See, maybe, maybe uh, you've grown up in the church. Maybe you come to church all the time. Maybe you've been a, would have called yourself a Christian a lot. But maybe even this Christmas is like the the thousandth time you might want to make the choice to say again, Come, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Maybe for some of us, like we, like my friend, like you, you grew up in church. Maybe you got taken along to church when you were a kid, and. Somewhere along the line, it just life got busy and you saw some stuff maybe you didn't like and just kind of the light of Jesus faded somewhere into the the background. Maybe tonight, you might want to just take the simple offer, the invitation of Jesus to invite him back into your life. Or maybe finally, maybe finally, There are some of us here who've never been to any of this before. This is all news. You've never had an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you have a thousand questions, which are great, by the way, and we're so glad you're here. But what I would want to say is that you will never answer all of those questions unless you're in a relationship with Jesus. You don't get to know anyone fully until you start a relationship with them, it turns out. So maybe even tonight, you might want to actually invite Jesus in to start a relationship with him. and So what we're going to do as we pray together is I'm going to invite you, if you want to, is that on the end of all the aisles, and I'm going to ask the people on the end of the aisles to hand out the glow sticks that are in a little container where you are. And if you could pass them down the aisles right now, that would be great. And what I'm, I'm going to invite you to do in a minute, just in a moment of stillness, is if just for the first time, or for the thousandth time, you would like to say, Jesus, be the light of my life this Christmas, then I'm just going to invite you uh, in a moment with the lights are going to be on super low, and I'm just going to invite you to break your glow stick and just quietly to just hold it up in front of you. And it's a symbol. It's a sign of Jesus being the light of our lives at Christmas. So let's have a moment of just quiet and we'll have some gentle music and then I'm going to pray the light shines in the darkness for the darkness has not overcome it. Thank you, God, that you are the light of the world. Thank you that you offer to bring your light into our darkness. And say so tonight, Lord, wherever we have lived in darkness, we pray that you would bring your light to bear. Holy Spirit that tonight you would fill us with your love and your peace and your joy your truth and your light come Lord Jesus thank you thank you that you loved us so much that you would come to live amongst us that you would come to love us and that you would come to save us. Would you come into our lives tonight that we might live as children of God? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.